Amen. We appreciate you for your giving, all that you do to make this place do what it needs to do. We can't do it without you. So for that, we're thankful and grateful. Let us bow our heads. Dear precious Heavenly Father, gracious Heavenly Father, loving Heavenly Father, forgiving Heavenly Father, and kind Heavenly Father. God, we come to you, and God, I'm asking that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, God. Let the word of God be taught richly with understanding, clarity, and wisdom. Let it be received as such in a double portion, and let no one's coming be in vain. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, with our Bibles in our hands. Repeating after moi. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Come on and make some noise if you believe you're going to get fed this morning. Glory to God. And so just going to start right off with the title. And the title is this, What You Want. What You Want. So it is not the most grammatically correct title, but you will understand. I will hope I'll be able to explain it to help you understand it. So somebody just say that with me. Say, what you want. Now, growing up, a lot of you who bugged your parents heard that often. What you want. But we we, want to take some time and unpack this in a way that would leave you with uh, uh, not a burden, but a certain weight that would leave you with to help you as you move forward. So let's give a definition of want and a simple definition Two of them. One is have a desire to possess or do something, a wish for. Number two is a lack or deficiency of something. I'm going to save number two, and we're going to pick that back up later in the sermon, but mainly a want is just something that you desire, you wish for, you want to do it, you want to possess it, you want to have it. We all understand what it means to want We grow up wanting, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of the makeup of who we are as humans. But let's give us some synonyms of want. And here are some things. uh, Desire, wish for, hope for, have an inclination for, set one's heart on, long for, yearn for, hunger for, thirst for, uh uh-oh, lust after. Cry out for, be desperate for, I like this one, itch for, covet. You ever just itched for something? You Somebody said, I, I, I got an itch for something and I just can't scratch it, but I've got a hunger, a yearn, a want, a desire. And the problem with our life is wants can be positive or negative. But the yearning doesn't change. In other words, I can want for God and it can be positive. And I can want for sex and it cannot be positive. But the yearning sometimes is the same. At the beginning of the service, I said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. But because you're fleshly, sometimes I was glad when they say go to Susie's house. I was glad too. Because I got the desire for God, but I also have a desire for other things. And sometimes those desires, they compete against each other. And so we're going to try to unpack it, like I say, in a way that will leave us somewhat 
a heaviness so we know what we do as we move forward. Not a negative heaviness, but a positive heaviness. So the first thing I want to do is to start lightheartedly, and I want us to put this picture up. Everybody understand that picture. That's some chicken. That's some chicken. Somebody said, how, do you know, how did you know you was going to be a preacher? When I found out how much I like fried chicken. I should have known there was a preacher in me somewhere. Because I love me some fried chicken. Go ahead and put, this, put the picture back up. Make a solid really quick. And then uh, we, can, we can come off of that. And you can put this next point up. We're going to start off like we did last Sunday. We'll do, tell you a story. We're going to talk about Andre's chicken story. Here's Andre's chicken story. It actually came to me yesterday as I was eating some fried chicken. And it was from that God gave me this message. But some of y'all younger people don't quite get it. But when I was growing up, I don't know if they do that anymore, but when I was growing up, the man of the house got the biggest piece of chicken. No questions asked. If you bring home the money and you keep the lights on and you keep the gas on and all that, you got the biggest piece of chicken. The kids better not even ask for the biggest piece of chicken because they know that belonged to the man of the house. That belonged to daddy. And so in my mind, I couldn't wait till I got old enough to get the biggest piece of chicken. Brother Donald, sometimes I wanted the biggest piece of chicken. I had my little leg. I had my little wing. And there was a big old breast glistening over there. But that wasn't for me. That was for daddy. I can't wait till I get old enough to where I can have the big piece of chicken. Well, guess what? One day I got old enough. And I got the biggest piece of chicken. I enjoyed the, business, the biggest piece of chicken until I realized I don't even like the biggest piece of chicken. But yeah, every time, give me it, put the breast on my plate. But after a while, man, that's kind of dry. And then I realized I started eating and gravitating to the wings. So what I thought about that is we were eating chicken and there was breast there, there was wings, and I passed by the breast and I got the two wings and I was eating that. And I remember all I wanted was the biggest piece until I was able to have it and realize that ain't really what I wanted. Let, let me put it to you like this. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it in the same vein. When you are growing up, there's nothing you want more than to be able to make your own decisions. I can't wait to get out of this house where I can have my own rules. Can't nobody tell me what to do. But a lot of us, once we got grown, we realized adulting is overrated. I wish there was somebody else to help me with some rules. Wish there was somebody else to tell me what to do. Wish there was somebody else to pay these bills. Wish there was somebody else to put food on these tables. Wish there was somebody else to put clothes on my back. I wanted it till I got it. All right, I'm going to put this up and this is going to really help us kind of frame what I want to say. Here's point number one. It is a sobering thing in life to find out what you wanted is not what you really wanted. I can't wait to get away from my mama who always want to worry about who I'm dating and do you got condoms in your pocket and where you going, what you doing. Call, leave me alone mama but once I got old enough and got four baby mamas with three different women. I can't work because they're taking money out of my check. I find out what I wanted wasn't what I really wanted. It's a sobering thought to chase after something and then grab it and realize this ain't what I want. I want to be I want to be cool. Like everybody else, and I like the way they just let the smoke roll off of their mouth. But now when I'm smoking two packs a day, I don't want what I wanted. So the question is, what you want? 
All right, let, let's, let's uh, fast track it. If I was just to close the message right now, this is where I would fast track it. I'm going to put a picture, another picture up. I would fast track it to this. This sums up the whole sermon. Father knows best. So there's some older people who remember this show. I remember seeing some reruns of it, but it simply says, Father knows best. And here's the thing. Our Heavenly Father who created us and designed us as a masterpiece, he actually knows best. You you know, when I run into trouble, Sister Ruthie, with my Cadillac, there's a manual in there made by the manufacturers that know the Cadillac better than I know. Even though I've been driving it for five years, there's somebody who manufactured it that knows better than I do. And when I get into trouble, I need to go to the manufacturer. But I'm trying to save you some trouble to let you know, Father knows best. And sometimes what you think you want ain't what you really want. And it's not till you get what you want that you find out it's not what you want. So Father really knows best. And so it's best for us to lean into what the Father says. Now, am I going to be honest with you? I sure am because that's what I do. Sometimes what the Father wants is more boring. Sometimes what the Father wants is more run-of-the-mill. But boring people don't often end up in prison. And boring people don't often have a bunch of stuff that they regret. And boring people didn't get a chance to go to the casino and spend all their money. But they also aren't addicted to gambling. Sometimes the boring way is the best way. It's the easiest way. It's the safest way. It's the best way. And I'm talking to adults, but this is a message that really I could impact our teenagers with. If we just knew it really ain't what you want. She fine, but it ain't what you want. She belonged to him, but you want her to belong to you, but it ain't what you want. Ask somebody who's hiding in a closet. When the real man of the house comes home. And you're praying, God, get me out of this. I'll never do this again. Because you find out it ain't really what you want. When the rubber meets the road, sometimes we find out our desires really play tricks on us. Because when we get what we want, we often find out it ain't what I really want. All right, let's, let's, let's go to 1 Samuel 8, uh, 4 and 5. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Now we we come out of a kingdom series and we we really took some time to uh, unpack that. So we're not really talking about kingdom But I was reminded that when Sister Kelly spoke in that kingdom series, she talked about there's a king in me. And she talked about how David was anointed. But we know before there was David, there was Saul. And we got Saul not because God was ready to give a king. Now, king was always in God's mind. I told you about a kingdom. King was always in God's mind, but it wasn't time for them to have a king. It's not that what you want is wrong. It's often often the wrong timing. And if we would follow God's timing, it would work out better for us. But we, because we grew up in the remote age, we like to fast forward to time. You know, back in the day when I was growing up, you had to sit through the commercials. But now I have where I pause live TV, not because I want to pause live TV. I pause the live TV so when the commercials come, I can go straight through the commercials and fast forward. I don't want to hear no commercials. I want to get back to what I was watching. But in life, we try to fast forward stuff. We ain't supposed to fast forward. We try to rush things. We're not supposed to rush. We try to hurry things. We're not supposed to hurry. And then we hurry up and get stuff that we really didn't need to have at that time. Going back to the scripture, put the scripture back up. I'm just going to read the last part of it. And here's the major problem. It says, now make us a king to judge us us like all the nations. 
In other words, the reason why we often speed God up cause we looking at everybody else. You're not ready to be married, but you demand a husband because you've seen four or five of your girlfriends get married. So you demand God, I want you to bring mine right now. But right now is not what you need. You need to learn how to love your single solitude self. But you compare with everybody else. But what you don't understand is that everybody else has different problems with what they have. Sometimes the people you're jealous of, they would give you their husband to get him out their life. They just stuck with the one they with. They praying that he would just wander off somewhere. And here you are jealous of somebody. That what you don't understand, social media will trick you. We only post the highlights. When... When I wake up with slobber all on the side of my face, do you think I take a selfie then? No. I wait till it's clean. I wait till I look at and then I post it. I tell you all the time, yeah, I post a lot of selfies, but it takes about 17 pictures, 18 filters to post one good shot. And everybody, oh, pastor, you dress so great. Well, look, look at me in my regular day. I'm matching now because I'm presenting myself. But catch me on a regular day. I don't look that good on a regular day. And when the woman and the husband are posting for their anniversary, catch them when it ain't the anniversary. So stop being jealous looking at everybody else because everybody got their own stuff to deal with. What comparison does, it belittles what God is doing in your life. See, I'm mad because you have a Rolls Royce, but I don't know how to take care of my Chevrolet. Why would God give me a Rolls Royce? If I can't manage my Chevrolet. So be careful looking at all the other nations because it'll get you in some trouble. All right, let's, let's continue to read. Verse 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Bothered Samuel. All right, and so let's look at verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. But they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Mm. Here's the problem. We love God. We love the Lord. I love the Lord. We sing song. I love the Lord, and I won't take it back. But sometimes what we want is a rejection of the one that we love. And God told Samuel, he said, no, 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 don't worry about it because it displeased, it bothered Samuel, it bothered the leader. He said, don't worry about it because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Let, let's put this point at point number two. Sometimes the most gracious thing God can do for you is tell you no. I don't know why God always makes things harder for me. Why? Why is it so rough for me? Sometimes it is God's protection. I often say sometimes your rejection was God's protection. The rejection was God's direction. There's some stuff that you wanted that was not going to match up with your future. Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together and you got a piece? It looks like it fit and you keep trying to force it to fit until you realize it doesn't go there. There's a place for it and there's another place for this piece that's missing. And when you try to force the hand of God, many times all you do is just cause trouble. Sometimes the best thing God can do for you is to tell you no or to tell you wait or to not answer your prayers or to close a door. There are some open doors that are not God. They are demonic, but they look like an open door. It looked like a golden opportunity, but it's not until you cross the threshold that you find out this ain't what I thought it was. There's some jobs that you take and it ain't what you thought it was. Every time they put on the job description is this, this, and this, and we're going to pay you this, this, and this. Sometimes they don't abide to all the stuff they told you 
when you first signed up for the job and now you done sold everything and moved and now you stuck somewhere and you wish you can come back to little old Muncie and drive up and down little old Megalia because now you're broke in a big city, don't know nobody, you're lonely, you're tired, you're hurting and you're crying out to God and God said it wasn't what I wanted for you but you wanted it so bad. And the problem with us faith folk is that we can hear the voice of Satan and believe it's the voice of God. God told me it wasn't God told you. It was the fact that you wanted it so bad that Satan was able to whisper in your ear and you confused the voice of Satan for, for the voice of God. And the reason why is you wanted it so bad. And as a pastor, what I've learned is you really can't tell grown folk what to do. When y'all want it bad enough, the best thing for me to do is just back up. Because you're going to do what you want to do. And what I'm supposed to do is wait until you bust your head and come back and just receive you and love you and love you back to life. Because when you have your mind made up, when grown folk have their Mind made up, not just grown folk, grown, saved Christian folk. When they have their mind made up, I don't care how many scriptures they see, they're going to do what they want to do. It's your thing. I'll do what you want to do. I can't tell you. You get that Burger King anointed. Have it your way. But you find out later on in life, many of those things that you're doing that come with consequences. All right, let's let's move forward. Let's look at uh, uh, verse nine. So he told them just he he do what they want. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Okay, give them what they want, but warn them. This message, the reason why I said I want to leave you with just a little bit of heaviness, a positive heaviness, but this message is a warning. So I don't know what's going on in your life. To be honest, when I was studying this, I, it was hitting me. It was some, some stuff in me. And I see, so I don't know what it means for you, but this is a warning for all of us. This isn't a message from the pastor to you. This is a message from God to all of us. Because there's some stuff that I want, and I'm 46, and I'm tired of waiting. But guess what? If I don't get it, I'd much rather be in the will of God, not having it, than be out of the will of God, getting everything I want. Because everything I want ain't all the way lovely. Same thing with you. So he said, just warn him. Let's look at verse 11. He's... Uh, uh, giving them some warnings. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. Okay, what I need you to know, I want to warn you, what you do is going to actually affect your children. Yeah, you want it, but it's going to affect your son. There's some stuff you're doing today that's going to affect your sons tomorrow. So it's not only just about you. It's about the people connected to you. And there's some folk in your life that is struggling not because of them, but because of decisions you made. Mm, 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 mm. As a pastor, I have to remind myself. I am not the authority in your life, but the blessing flows from the head down to the skirts. But if the blessing flow, so does the curse. So I got to be careful what I get involved in because I will affect you. And you could be talking about God bless me, God bless me, but it's the leader at the top that's blocking your blessing. I'm saying, God, don't let me be in the way of your people. So I've always said, God, move me out the way. So I try to humble myself. But likewise, it flows downward and it also flows upward. There's some stuff that I should have, but it's some folk in the pews that keep doing stuff that blocks what 
I should have. So not only can I mess up your blessing, you can mess up my blessing. I told this uh, story in the staff meeting, and I thought I would just keep it with staff, but half of the staff didn't show up. So maybe it's meant for more. So maybe it's actually meant for the body. So I'm going to go ahead and share it right now. Just about a month ago, I had a young man who I know never belonged to Deliverance Temple, uh, has never been here in a Sunday service that I know of, uh, but he did help my father when my father did some outreach some years ago. But he inboxed me and he said he had a dream about me. He said that, that we were dream- he was dreaming and we were working together. He was supposed to be doing something. And he says in the dream, he, when he's telling me the dream, he says that he dropped the ball. In other words, he was tasked and assigned with something by me or by whatever we decided. And he told her he dropped the ball, messed up. And he said that when he turned around and looked, he could see me at my desk. And I slapped my hand down on the desk. And I said, I should have been the regional pastor by now. And I shook my head in shame. And the young man said he knew whatever he did stopped me from getting where I needed to be. And then the young man said he didn't know what the dream was about, but he apologized for anything he's ever done to slow me down. What I realized is that young man has never done anything to slow me down. I actually believe that was something for the ministry. What God was saying is, and I had never told anybody this before until I told it at the staff meeting. So this would have been about four years before this dream. So the dream just happened this year, last month. The guy uh, related that dream to me. About four years ago, I was driving down the highway on my way to work. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, more than just Indiana. And I got like, what does that mean? And then he he rattled off four states. He said, there should be five states. You're like a regional pastor. I had never told anybody, not my father, not my wife. I had never told a soul that. And I just jotted it down in my journal. Here's a man who don't go to this church, who has a dream and says, you should have been the regional pastor by now. But I dropped the ball. And I'm not, that's not really the focus of the message. So let me move on from there. But let me just say, I can block you and you can block me. If we're going to be in this together, we got to make sure we're doing what we need to do so we all arrive where we need to arrive. Let me make it a little lighthearted. If we're trying to go somewhere, what I like to do because I work midnight and I'm used to staying up all night, I like to drive at night. And the reason why I like to drive at night because kids don't wake up talking about, I got to go to the bathroom. Can we stop? I'm hungry. I want a snack because you slow me down on where I'm trying to go. And there's nothing like having little kids that got bad bladders that want to stop every few minutes. You can't hardly get where you want to go. And some of us are like that. We keep messing stuff up, slowing the train down. Stop slowing me down. And when I say that, I'm saying that for all of us. So you can say it too. Some say it. Say, stop slowing me down. All right. Let's let, let's move on. Let's look at verse 14. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. Mm, he, I actually skipped a verse, so we're gonna uh, go back to verse 13. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. So he's going to take your sons. He's going to take the daughters. He's going to take the best of your fields. So here's uh, point number three that I think is important and powerful. It is somewhat scary to realize that what you want could be a trap to take the best of you and leave little left. You ever had somebody tell you that I gave that man the best years of my life? 25 years later, you say, I gave him the best of me. I I don't move like I used to move. My shape ain't what it used to be. I gave that raggedy joker the best of me. And sometimes what you want is a trick and a trap to take the best of you, the best of your mind, the best of your ideas, the best of your thoughts and your feelings. Ask somebody, we call them crackheads now, but they didn't start like that. 
They started off just chasing that next high. And then we would be able to look at them and say, man, they lost weight. They smoking crack. And now it's something to laugh at. But the person that lived it, it ain't funny for them. Because I lost the best years of my life chasing the high. I lost friends. I lost family. I lost jobs. I done some stuff I can't talk about. I done some stuff I'm sad about. And a lot of the people who come off of drugs and they beat the drug habit, they had PTSD on what they used to do and what the drug made them do. It stole the best years of their life. And we got to be careful when what you want takes the best of you. The Bible says the king going to take the best of your fields. He's going to take the best of your stuff. Now, we thank God we serve a restoring God who can give what the canker worm and the palmer worm, what he took and what he stole. He can give you the best years. But to the young folk, let me tell you something. The best years are yet ahead of you. Don't throw them away just because you want something. I want to be tough. I want to be hard. I want to carry a gun. But all that stuff sometimes robs the best years of your life. You have people that go in one way, come out a different way. They go in one way, and even if they don't change, the society around them has changed. I was uh, remember my brother when he come out of. when he come out of prison, he's looking at the phones and social media and he's like, what is going on? Everybody's on this Facebook and stuff because he missed a whole bunch of years behind bars and the world had changed. And when he came out, stuff was changed. It was hard for him to catch up. It was hard for him to move, hard for him to get a job because the world had changed while he was locked up. Don't give the devil the best years of your life. All right. Let's move on. Let's look at verse 17. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servant. He's going to take some of your money too. But here's the major thing. And you will be his servants. Let's put up point number four. The worst thing that can happen is when what you want makes you its servant. When what you wanted starts mastering you. I've been saved the majority of my life. But I've had some stuff that mastered me. There's some sin. Sin is not a big issue to God. God has already paid for sin. It's not a big issue for God, but it's an issue for us. Because not all sins are just little, little sins. Some sins, the whole reason why it's a sin is to grab to grip you, to pull you in. And then when you want to break free, you can't break free. If if you've ever been addicted to something, it it, it has a way of breaking you down in such a way you, you can say, I'm not going to, but you end up doing it. You, I mean, you you can make up in your mind, "I'm, I'm not cussing today. And when you get done saying it, you cuss right after you get done saying it. Because you have no longer, you have no willpower. Now, God helps us with that. That's why he's so good and so gracious. But at the end of the day, many of us can say that if if we had made some better choices, there's some stuff we wouldn't still be dealing with today. There's some stuff I'm faced with today because I picked it up 20 years ago, 25 years ago. It's one thing when you when you deal with something, you pick it up just just. 30 seconds, then you put it down. It's okay, but there's some stuff that grips you the moment you grip it. It's it's left out there so that you can get in trouble. Some years ago, they had this show that I didn't really like that much because it, it was, to me, I didn't think it was fair, but it was it was a show about the way the police would leave running vehicles out somewhere to tempt people to steal. And so you would see an Escalade sitting over there and people look, they looking around. Ain't nobody in there. They get, they look inside the car, then they take off. Next thing you know, whoop, 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 whoo. In other words, they only left it there to see who would be dumb enough to try it. And I'm here to let you know there's some stuff Satan left in your path just to get you to try it. But the moment you try it, that's when he comes and lock you up. 
I wasn't planning on getting hooked on pornography. I was just going to peruse my friend's book. Huh. That ain't nothing. But then the next day, looking a little longer. Then the next day, then, then 10 years later, God delivered me from this. I didn't know it was going to take 10 years when I picked it up one time. You got to be careful of the thing that's trying to make you its servant. All right, come on. Let's go to verse 18. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. You're going to cry out. It's going to come to the place where you'll be like, oh, you know what? I made a mistake. You ever ha had your, your kids just, they, they, they know it all. You try to tell them, they know it all. But later on in life, they have to cry back to mama and cry back to daddy and borrow mama and daddy's money on stuff that they was told not to do. Uh, I got a story I'm reminded. I told on myself and I told on my brother Jonathan. Let me tell my brother Stephen. I remember Stephen back when he was in college. And uh, I don't I don't know the whole story, but there was a vehicle that she told him not to get. The vehicle ends up getting wrecked and he ends up having to pay for a total vehicle that he could not even drive. And it stayed on his credit for a long time. And I can't remember. Was that the car that got an accident with the end? End up there was a car and, and brother Dylan, would you would you come back that way? Stephen can see me when I'm looking at him when he's watching from live. But but no, they, they end up they end up uh, taking that vehicle on spring break and getting in a terrible accident. And one of their friends died. Now their friend what didn't have to be in the car they were in, but that car was nothing but trouble in his life. But it was something about mama's intuition that's like, no, don't do it. You don't need it. Don't get it. Don't do it. But that thing didn't cause nothing but trouble for him. Sometimes mama knows best as well. People are watching for your life. You think you know everything, but somebody can see the future and say, don't, don't do it. But because God is so good and God is so gracious, I believe that's why Stephen is blessed now and has many cars now because he learned the lesson. The problem with a lot of us is we won't learn the lesson. And God has to. God is a God who loves to answer prayer. The Bible says he will answer even before you ask. But when you get to a place where God won't answer the prayers, he's trying to help you. All right, let's look at number five, point number five. It's even worse if God has to let you sit in what you wanted for a while. Got to sit in it. That reminds me of diapers and mess. And sometimes you don't have the time to change them right away. You're on the road. You're on the move. So they just got to sit in it. And some of y'all are sitting in some stuff and God said, no, I'm not fixing it right now. I'm not delivering them right now. I'm not washing it up right now. I need them to smell themselves and know they made a bad decision. That way they'll listen the next time. Sometimes you got to sit in it a while. You got to rest in it a while. And wise people, they learn not to be like a dog and return to their own vomit. They learn how to, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that no more. Now, my, I got a little dog, and we love our little dog. My little dog will eat anything. Just, he just, he don't mind. He'll eat anything. He always looking for eating stuff. But next thing you know, he over in the cage. Going, burp, burp. Like, oh, he, here he go, puking again. And you clean it up, and he run out and want to eat. No, stop eating. That's why you in the situation you in now. So we have to tell them, go to your cage. No, you're not getting a treat because you haven't learned the lesson. Something that you're partaking of is messing you up, but you want to keep partaking of it over and over and over. And when I let you out of the cage, you want to do the very thing that got you in the cage. And I don't want to just talk about my dog. I want to talk about us. Stop doing the same thing that keeps getting us in the same situation. 
All right, eight, uh, eight, 19, and 20. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So once again, they had that Burger King in on it. They just wanted to have it their way. Let's look at point six. You know you're headed down the wrong path when you elevate a want above a warning. So this message is just a warning. I'm not saying we're doing anything wrong. Like I said, it comes to me first. But when we raise a want above a warning, that's when we get in trouble. Because there's a reason why the sign says the bridge is out. There is a reason why the sign says detour. There's a reason why the sign says alligators in the pool. There's a reason why, and sometimes people keep doing it. And I, I love everybody. I am glad I'm black, though. Because when I do watch horror movies, which I don't watch too much, but when I do watch horror movies, the, my white friends in the horror movies, when they hear a bad sound, they go and look for some more. I couldn't be in that movie because if I hear sound, I'm gone. I ain't waiting. I ain't looking. I'm gone. I don't have that door of the explorer anointing. I'm not trying to explore. I'm gone. And that's why this swiper, no swiper, keeps swiping in your life because you exploring stuff you don't need to explore. You chasing stuff you don't need to chase. Some stuff, you just got to let it rest. Curiosity, it killed the cat. And it killed the pastor. It killed the congregation. It killed a lot. Stop being so curious. Some, let some stuff go. Let it go. But pastor, he smelled good. Just buy the cologne he got and spray it around your house and smell that. But let him go on somewhere. Because there's some stuff that you just can't afford. I can't afford to fall off now. I can't afford to mess my marriage up now. I can't afford to mess my business up now. Some stuff, I just got to let it go. I got to have an Elsa anointing. Let it go. Let it go. You know why? Because the cold never bothered me anyhow. Being lonely never bothered me anyhow. I'd rather be alone than be with the wrong one. So I'll be cold in this bed before I be with the wrong man, the wrong woman. Another day, I'm not doing it no more. I've learned my lesson, God. I'm not praying about it. I already know the answer. No, I don't want it. Now, it's one thing if you get weak and you fall into it and you're battling. That's one thing. But I'm talking about the people who just, just headstrong, just going to do what they want no matter what. I ain't talking about you know, no struggle, no nothing. They just going to do what they want. Say amen in church and go out there and do just what they want to do. So let's, let, let's put this up as, as we're moving toward the close. Let's put this up. God got what you want. God got what you need. Now, this didn't come to me out of the scriptures. This came to me from a song. It's a song that said, I got what you want. Got what you need. Can I get enough? Never mind. Uh, I, I, I went back. Went back for a second. Never mind. Never mind. Okay. But any, anyhow, God got what you want. And God's got what you need. God's got what you want. And God's got what you need. It may not look like it, but God's got what you want. And God's got what you need. Let me say it again. God's got what you want. And God's got what you need. And so you sometimes you got to look beyond what it looks like, what it feels like initially. Because sometimes the safest place is in the will of God, in the presence of God. So you got to pursue what God has for you. That's why I say what God has for me. It is for me. You can't stop it. You can't block it. But I got to be smart enough to pursue what God has for me because God got what I want. God's got what I need. All right. So let, let me put this back up, back up to our want synonyms. And I crossed out a whole bunch of them that we had before. 
struck them out. I'll read them through again. But desire, wish for, hope for, have, and inclination for, set one's heart on, long for, yearn for, hunger, thirst. Those are ones that I kept. Lust after, cry out for, be desperate for, itch for, covet. So I kept the hunger and thirst. And let's put this up. Many of you Bible scholars will know why I kept that. But let's put up Matthew 5 and 6. Read that, Mother Mitchell. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Shall be filled. I'm not saying you can't hunger and you can't thirst, but we got to switch our hunger and thirst for righteous things. And here's the thing. You don't know you want it until you taste it. See, see, there's some stuff that I didn't know I liked until I had it. I told you last week, I thought Ponderosa had the best steaks until I got a real steak. And some of y'all, you've settled for lower because you haven't tasted anything on a higher level. But once you taste on a higher level, there's some stuff you just can't go back to. I heard Steve Harvey say this, and it's true in my own life because we just did it in uh, March. But Steve Harvey said every now and then, he said, you just have to force yourself to fly first class. He says the reason why is because once you do it one time, it's much harder to go to another level once you taste it a higher level. And I had flown first class before, but I had never flown first class overseas with my wife. And now that I've done it with my life, even though I like cheap prices, it's elevated my game. That's just some stuff I don't want to do no more. I like the fact that as soon as I sit in my seat, they ask me what I want to drink. And before I take the flight, I pick out what I want to eat. Not no nuts and crackers. No, no, it's another level. And I'm tired of being on a nuts and cracker anointing. I want a first class anointing. I want all God has for me. I, I want to get on first and get off first. I want my bags on first and my bags off first. I want people to know my name. I don't want to wait in line because I've tasted another level. And I'm not talking about flying. I'm talking about living this life where you raise to another level. And I can't go down. I can't backslide. I can't give up now. I got to have what God wants for me. I got to have it come hell or high water. Devil, you can't trick me. Devil, you can't lie to me. I'm getting what belongs to me. But what I'm learning, Sister Darlene, sometimes the only thing that stops me is not the devil. It's me. And my desires. I don't want love handles, but I like chocolate chip cookies. I don't want love handles, but I don't like getting on the Peloton that's at my house. I ain't even got to go. I don't even have to go to Planet Fitness. I can get on the Peloton, but I would rather have something that tastes good. Now, now, I've learned that I ain't buying no more suits. I mean, sizes. So, so this helps me stay with a certain size, but I could do better, but I don't want to. I don't feel like it. But, the last time I got my blood drawn, they said some, some numbers were elevated that wasn't supposed to be elevated. My body was doing stuff it ain't supposed to do. So guess what? Whether I want it or not, if I want to stay around for the people I love, there's some changes I just have to make. I don't like eating food without salt. Give me some salt. But when your heart starts constricting and pain in your chest, you don't need pork and barbecue and salt. You need to make some changes. It's not about what you want. It's about what is best in the long run. All right. So let's let's uh, understand that when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. All right. So let's let's put this point up. This is going to change it more positive as we close. Wanting what God wants brings satisfaction and fulfillment. Here's the difference. This is how you know the difference. When you start grabbing what the devil wants, you never feel satisfied. You always feel empty. I did it to get the loneliness off of me, 
But after he or she left, I'm just as lonely, if not more, than when I gave in. Because it didn't satisfy me. It didn't fulfill me. And so we have to learn how to go after fulfillment. And if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled. And once I get filled with righteousness, I just don't have room for other things. Now, even though I said I like sweets and all that stuff, when I get full enough, I don't want no dessert. Sometimes the, the waiter says, are you having dessert? No. Doesn't look good? Yes. But I'm already full. I'm already filled. I'm already satisfied. And if I take more, all it's going to do is just hurt me. So I'm not going to grab it because I'm not doing, I don't want to hurt. I'm full. I'm filled. I'm satisfied. And when you get a hold of God, he satisfies and joy he supplies. Life would be worthless without him. All things in Jesus I find. It's a song we used to sing. All right, let's move, move right along. Let's put this up. Let's go back to the definition of want. But now I've scratched out the first point. And the last one is what we don't think of when we think of the definition of want. The first definition is the verb form, what happens in the verb form. The other is the noun form. Is this a lack or deficiency of something? So want can be desiring something, but it also could be the lack of something. And so let's look at Psalms 34 and 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. This is what I know about God. Once I get somebody to really taste him, once he really gets tasted, once you really get a glimpse, a touch, a nodule, uh, this is the word my daughter made up. I don't know where she came from it where she got it from, but I like it. She calls it a spitch. I'm like, what is a spitch? One time I poured her some, some juice. I poured a little bit. She said, that ain't nothing but a spitch of juice. <laughs> this is a made up word, but I like that word. She, she, in other words, give me some more. But if I can just get you to get a spitch of God, just, just a drop of God, just a touch of God, what the world don't know who he is because they ain't had a taste. But once he get, once you get a taste of him, there's nothing like him. Once you get a taste of him, once, once you have felt his presence for real, once you know him for real, once he's touched you for real. And so what I wonder is the world not getting a taste of him because of us. Because we keep going after what they're going after. And they're saying, if you keep doing what I do, why would I want what you have? If you keep ending up where I end up, I'm not saying you can't go where you want to go. But, but if the folk out there see you more than the folk in here see you, I'm wondering, what are you really tasting? You, 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 once you really, 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 really taste him, it makes a difference. You know, the greatest restaurants don't really need marketing. It's something called word of mouth. Because when a person tasted it, they go and they tell somebody. And then when they taste it, they go and tell somebody. And then when they taste it, they go and tell somebody. Then the next thing they know, there's a line wrapped around the building because somebody tasted and told. And that's all the gospel is, is somebody tasting and telling what God has done. He's been good to me. I had lost my mind, but he stepped in. My body was sick, but he fixed it. He was a lawyer in the courtroom. He was a doctor in the sixth room. He was the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He was the breath in my body. He was the wind in my sail. He was the joy in my morning. He was everything to me. And now that I tasted him, I just got to tell somebody, do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Savior? Do you know him like I know him? Do you know that he'll heal you? Do you know he'll deliver you? Do you know he'll rescue you? Do you know he'll forgive you? Because I've tasted and I've told. But on the flip side, if you come to church, we bring sacrifice of praise to the house. 
Hallelujah. No, no, no. That's why folk don't want to come to your church with your dead self. If you've tasted, you got to tell somebody about the God you serve. All right, let's let's move on. So I don't keep us too long. Verse nine. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Oh, there's no. This is the other uh, definition. There is no lack. To those who fear him. See I may not have what you have now. But my destination is greater than your destination. So I'm going to stick with God. Because when I stick with God. I will not lack. You may get it first. But it won't last. I may get it later. But it's going to last. I will not have lack. Because what God has for me. There's some stuff with my name on it. There's some homes with my name on it. There's some cars with my name on it. There's some blessings with my name on it. And if I have God, I'm not going to lack for anything. So I'm going to do it the long way, the hard way. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to have something that's going to last. The last thing you want to be is a shooting star. A shooting star shoots up high, but it comes down crashing down. I want to be a lasting star. Once you put me up there I don't want to fall. I want to stay there and get brighter and brighter and brighter. Once my business starts I want it to get bigger and bigger and better. I'm not coming down because I did it the right way. Alright let's let's finish up Psalms 34 and uh, 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. They are not going to lack any good thing. Well, Pastor, I am lacking some stuff. Well, maybe that ain't good for you. I wish I had a wife like Lady Devin losing all that weight, looking all that good. Well, you can't handle that right now. That's why God didn't give it to you. Just wait. Because you got six girls in your inbox you juggling now and God ain't going to let you mess up nobody's life bringing you somebody when you won't even handle the ones you got, the folk you know you don't like and stringing them along until you get that fixed. I ain't giving you nobody. But if you want something good and you got a good God, he makes sure that you won't lack any good thing at the right time. All right, here's last point, point number eight. You will never lose wanting what God wants for you. You can lose wanting what you want and wanting what the devil wants and wanting what other folk want for you. Let me say that too. Stop doing what other folk want you to do just because they told you to do it. Well, I, if I was you, I wouldn't do that. That's why you're not me. God didn't make you me. And if I was you, I wouldn't fly first class because you know people think pastors take money from the church. I don't care what they think. I'm doing what I need to do. I ain't worried about everybody else. I'm living for me and God. So you will never lose doing what God wants you to do. Here's the final two verses. Verse 19. This throws a turn in it though. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. This is how we get tricked to wanting what we want. Is because when we do it God's way, sometimes we still get afflicted. And you think, well, shoot. If I'm going to get beat up like this, I might as well get beat up doing what I want to do. But the reason why you're getting beat up is because you're on the right path. And sometimes you got to go through that to get to the other side. So the scripture says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the greatest two words in the English language is but God. I was failing, but God. I was losing, but God. I was hurt, but God. He left me, but God. She walked out on me, but God. I was broke, but God. I was poor, but God. I was crying, but God. You got to get to the other side of the but God. But baby, when you get on the other side of the but God, you can say I am healed because of God. I am blessed because of God. I am sanctified because of God. I am blessed and healed and favored and wealthy all because of God. It goes from but God to 
by God and because of God and for God. Why you got so much money? It's for God. Why you look so good? It's for God. Why you got six pack abs? It's for God. Whatever it is that God blesses you to have in your life is by God. It's because of God, but it's also for God and it's also for Satan. Pastor, what are you talking about? So Satan can look at you and get mad all over again. I tried to kill them, but they look better now than they did before. I've seen some sanctified folk. They look better at 60 than they did at 50 because they don't walk with God and they got an anointing on them. I look good for God and I look good for Satan. So Satan can look back and the only thing he can look and go... I can't believe she's still making it. I can't believe he's still here. I can't believe they still married. I can't believe they got out of debt. I can't believe they walked across the stage with a graduation certificate. I thought I had them. I thought it was over. Years ago, I set up traps in their life, but they're still here. They're still standing, and they're standing because of God. They're standing for God, and me with my ignorant, satanic self, I can't do nothing to stop them because they're here to stay because God is on their side. And if God be for you, who can be against you? If God is your shepherd, you shall not walk. If God will hold you, who can pull you down? God is on your side. Take that devil. Take that Satan. Take that. God got my back. God got me. Woo! Thought you had me. But God broke me loose. You thought you had me. But God set me free. You thought you had me, but God brought me back again. It's because of God. And he get all the glory. Last and final verse. Everybody go ahead and stand to your feet. Last and final verse. The Lord redeemed the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. None of them that trust in him shall be desolate he redeems so that means even when the devil had you he redeems I, I i gotta close but i'm reminded of little kids when they selfish and don't know no better they'll grab your stuff and say mine and you gotta let them know no that's not yours that belongs to me well the devil with his old selfish infantile self has been grabbing your blessings saying mine and God is saying no they belong to Andre they belong to Deliverance Temple they belong to the people of God take your dirty ugly hands off of my people because when my people trust in me they will never be desolate so let me say it one more time. What you want. And let's say it this way. I want what God wants for me. Come on, let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, God. We want what you want. We don't always want what you want, but we want to want what you want. God, just deal with us until those old desires and cravings die and you place in us new desires and new cravings. But what we know is that if we stick with you, we will not lack or want for any good thing. You will take care of your people. And when you do it, God, we promise we will go out there and tell people about a God that is a delivering God that takes care of those who trust in him. So, God, from this day forward, we place our trust in you. Now, Father, is there anybody here under the sound of my voice, both here as well as online, who doesn't know you as their savior, as their deliverer? God, I pray that they would just open their hearts and allow you to come in. And, God, you make your abode with them and that you would keep them until the day of Jesus Christ. And for that, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus name. And let everybody say.
Amen and amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. Have a great week.